The annual Staten Island St. Patrick's Day Parade, one of the borough's longest time-honored traditions, has been embroiled in controversy in recent years due to the organizers' continued refusal to allow LGBTQ groups to march under their banner, making it the only parade in the country that continues what many view as a discriminatory practice. We've always covered the controversy of the event, but usually after the event's over, we kind of let it drop. But what we felt was very important this year, it was important to chronicle what the Pride Center, what the community was doing, what they're doing on an everyday basis. They're not just going there and handing in an application and getting the door slammed in their face. They are working behind the scenes. There's community support. At the, there was a, a, a very peaceful demonstration during the parade. They have a lot of support, and I think it's important to show that. I think Staten Island sometimes gets a really bad rap, but the fact that they can stand behind something that they believe in, I think, is important. If you're identifying as LGBTQ+, you're paying taxes for a parade that you're apparently not allowed to march at. Right. So the organizers were really calling for that inclusion to just kind of say this is bogus. Like, why shouldn't we be part of this? That was that was the main the main point. And then talking about how they deserve to be included too. Welcome to the Staten Island Advances from the Scene, a podcast bringing you an inside look at the biggest stories on Staten Island with the reporters who cover them. I'm your host, Eric Bascom, and this week I'll be joined by two of my colleagues to discuss Staten Island's 2023 St. Patrick's Day Parade and the ongoing exclusion of LGBTQ groups that have been barred from marching under their banner. First, we'll be joined by the Staten Island Advance's public interest and advocacy editor, Tracy Papora, to discuss the reporting that was done in the months leading up to the parade, the majority of which was covered by her team of reporters. Thanks for joining me today, Tracy. It's great to have you back on again so soon. We got to have you now two weeks in a row for our listeners. For those who missed it, we had Tracy last week to talk about the new exciting series we're doing called Rebuilding Sandy Ground that you should definitely check out. But, you know, between the Sandy Ground series, the parade coverage, everything else, politics and public interest all across the borough, it seems like your team has been very busy lately. Yes, very, very busy. There's never a dull day. No, we know that. We know that for sure. So before we dig too deep into the the controversy that has in many ways kind of overshadowed the parade in recent years, let's talk a little bit about the parade itself. So for nearly six decades, Staten Island has hosted a St. Patrick's Day parade on the first Sunday of March. On Forest Avenue, residents line the street, everybody's dressed in green, maybe a couple adult beverages at hand. As someone who spent most of their life living on Staten Island, I was curious what your experience has been with the parade. The first time I went to the parade, I was in my 20s. But to be honest with you, for most of my career at the Advance, I've worked on Sundays. So there's been a lot of times where I may have learned a lot more about it from the coverage of it or organizing the coverage of it. My former stint before this one was as the weekend manager. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times I was organizing the coverage of the actual day, but I've only had gotten the chance to enjoy it a few times. That's kind of sad to me, honestly. I'm so And again, it's a little different because you were South Shore, right? Yes, that that, that is part of it, I think. I don't think we knew out on the South Shore that there was this great parade going on. <laughs> well, nowadays, the South Shore people certainly know that it's going on. Yes. And you can find them at Kettle Black if you would like to. But for <laughs> me, um, it's always been like a big deal. I used to go when I was a kid. My parents would take me and they would have the guy with the little carts with all the toys that he's wheeling down. there. I would buy silly string and shoot it at people and get a little balloon 
Moon or like a Nerf gun or something, something like that. And then obviously as I got older, it became teenagers going out doing things that teenagers do. To this day, I have a lot of friends who are from West Brighton who are Irish, who are, it's a big part of their tradition, their culture, whatever you want to call it. And so we're still find ourselves at Jody's every now and then. So it's it's something that I, I enjoy every week, obvious, uh, every year rather. But obviously now we have to talk about the controversy that is of overshadowing that. So the big thing is this used to be this fun, wholesome family event. And, and now it's kind of become a lot of the coverage. Uh, unfortunately, the majority of the coverage leading up to it has been about the parade organizers decision not to allow LGBTQ plus groups like the Pride Center of Staten Island to march under their banner during the parade. So if I'm remembering this correctly, you covered this controversy first as a reporter, right, when you were talking about what was going on here, and now you're handling it as the editor and assigning the story, still doing some reporting on it, but you just have so many sources in this, and I would say you're probably the best source on Staten Island parade controversy. So I'm curious, kind of, when do you remember this issue first popping up, and, and, and what kind of progress, uh, if any, really, has been made over, over the past few years? Well, the controversy's actually always been there. The first time, I think it was in 2014, the Manhattan St. Patrick's Parade ended like a two-decade ban on LBGTQ plus groups marching openly. And I think it was in 2021 that a Bronx parade was one of the last holdouts that were not allowing LBGTQ plus groups to march, and they, they, they were able to march. So Staten Island, as far as the research we've done, might be the only parade in the world that still bans LBGTQ plus groups. And that includes parades in Boston, in Dublin. Everyone allows groups to march under their own banner. And a lot of people say to me, oh, the Pride Center, they can march, but they just can't march under their own banner. But mm -hmm. why shouldn't they be able to do that when other groups can march under their own banner? I think one thing that's confusing to people who may not know the story as well is the idea of like, why are the organizers able to do this over and over again? Because it seems like a pretty clear discriminatory practice to many people. So. I was wondering if you could tell to us a little bit about first, who the parade organizers actually are, and, and, and second, why they've been able to keep denying these groups over the years. Well, they're an arm of the ancient order of Hibernians, so they have their own committee. So uh, from what I understand, it is about five people. Mm -hmm. It's the parade organizer, his name's Larry Cummings, who continually bans. I, I don't know how many other people are behind that, but he's the one who continually says they don't want anyone, any LBGTQ plus groups to march. Um, and basically they're protected by the freedom of speech. And there's been cases up until the Supreme Court that have basically said they, they're the organizers. They can choose who they want and who they don't want to march. So that's just the under the, the, the freedom of speech. Right. And so... Throughout the years, as you've covered this story, you've developed some really strong sources in Staten Island's LGBTQ plus community that you've spoken to for the stories. And so I'm curious if you could just tell us a little bit about these people and just kind of the message that they've been trying to get across throughout the years. Well, for the last five years, Carol Bullock has been the executive director of the Pride Center, and she's always taken a view that she just wanted to be peaceful about this. She didn't want to take away business from the businesses on Forest Avenue that really this is a big part of their revenue. This is one of the biggest events Staten Island has. So she always just wanted to make a subtle statement. So in years past, you'd see a lot of rainbow balloons, you'd see a lot of 
rainbow signs in the window of the, or we stand for inclusion signs in the windows of businesses. But she always said she never wanted to stop the parade. Mm -hmm. The thing that we saw this year is so many people banding behind the Pride Center. And it's not just the Pride Center. The Gay Offices Action League was also denied this year. There have been other groups in other years that have been denied. But so many people did not want to partake in this. There was not one public high school ban there. I, I heard that there's some dancing schools that do Irish step dancing. They stepped aside. The police this year withheld their Emerald Society ban mm -hmm. because they, and uh, nearly every Staten Island politician did not march. And that makes a big statement. Councilman uh, David Carr called the parade committee disgusting, and unquote, that it, this is outright discrimination. So we've just been reporting what everyone's saying and Community Board 1, which is the community board for the area, came out and they wanted the mayor to withhold city funding for the parade. And the city funding that is utilized, it costs about $300,000 each year for the police department overtime and the sanitation overtime. But Mayor Adams explained that that wasn't possible in his view. Yeah, and that was something that I thought was interesting as well. That that had been something that was kicked around for a couple of years of like, well, how much is the city paying for this? Should they be paying for this? And then we finally got some answers on that. We went to Adams and, and he pushed back pretty hard on it, I feel, and saying something along the lines of like, that wouldn't, that doesn't make any sense or whatever it is. And I, I do kind of understand the idea of like, if this parade is going to go on and you are going to issue the permit, then you need to make sure people are safe, right? Whether or not you want to support their alleged discriminatory uh, actions or however you want to state it, you do still need police officers there. You still do need Forest Avenue to be cleaned up after the fact. So I understand where he was, he was coming from in that regard. And so the one last thing before we go, I wanted to talk to you, you know, this is something that you've been reporting on for a while now, but it seems like the paper really made a really concerted effort this year to push for inclusion, including several editorial pieces written by different people. I was curious, as the public interest and advocacy editor, which is obviously your role, advocacy is right in there, why do you think the paper decided this year to go from simply reporting on the issue to, to really strongly advocating for, for one side of it? Well, I'll be honest with you. We had intended on doing this in 2020, but right after the parade unfolded in 2020, where several high school bands were kicked off the route, Councilman Joe Borelli was kicked off because yeah. he had a little, little tiny lapel pin that was a pride flag. So we had intended to carry it on and then the coronavirus happened. Right. The year after the parade didn't happen. So it was our first opportunity mm -hmm. when the controversy had really heated up. And we've always covered the controversy of the event, but usually after the event's over, we kind of let it drop. But what we felt was very important this year, and we felt it was a good timing with the fact that it was important to chronicle what the Pride Center, what the community was doing, what they're doing on an everyday basis. They're not just going there and handing in an application and getting the door slammed in their face. They are working behind the scenes. There's community support. At the, There was a, a, a very peaceful demonstration during the parade. Jessica Scarcella-Spanton, the new senator, she took part in it. So they have a lot of support. And I think it's important to show that. I think Staten Island sometimes gets a really bad rap, but the fact that they can stand behind something that they believe in, I think is important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Tracy. I appreciate you coming on, especially back-to-back -back weeks like this, but obviously you've been very busy, so I'll let you go for now and we'll, uh, we'll bring on our next guest. 
Thanks so much. Next up, we'll be joined by Staten Island Advance social media specialist Lauren Lavallo to discuss the live coverage of Sunday's parade. The Mayor of Maple Avenue is a powerful multi-part podcast about Sean Sinisey, a victim of former Penn State football coach Jerry Sandusky, who was arrested 10 years ago for numerous child sexual abuse charges. The podcast series is written and hosted by Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter Sarah Gannam, who takes listeners into the world of addiction rehabilitation, where society can be quick to celebrate the consequences for abusers while not addressing the needs of their victims. Subscribe now to The Mayor of Maple Avenue wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for joining me today, Lauren. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. We really missed you on Groundhog Day coverage this year, but our producer, uh, Jason Patteron, filled in admirably in your absence. Yeah, but... thank you so much for that, by the way. Sorry, I shouldn't have. No, no, it's okay. I'm just sure it was uh, it was sad for you to have to miss out on Chuck this year, right? COVID, man. It got me, finally. Yeah. <sighs> and so far in, right? Like three years into it, it's like people now I've been hearing, they're like, it's three years and I finally got it. That's so embarrassing. You, you feel so special and then it just humbles you. Right. Damn. Right. Well, I'm glad that you are back with us and, and feeling better. So let's talk about Sunday. You were among the various reporters and photographers that we had out at the parade to provide live coverage of the event as it was happening, something that you often do for us. And so before we get into the parade itself, I was hoping you could just talk to us a little bit about what it's like reporting in real time like that. Because, you know, for most of most of our stories, really, you go to the event, you talk to some people, you take some photos, and then you go home and you write it. But for you, between Facebook Live and, and getting photos of people, it's really real time on the scene. And it's, it's kind of a different experience, I would imagine. So what's that like for you? I mean, it's a little bit stressful. Let's do let's be real here. Because you do, you need to try to capture the, I guess, like the essence of like what's going on. You have to be really mindful about what you're doing and what you're saying while also trying to keep track of what you still have to do. I would say, yeah, it was it was a little bit stressful doing the Facebook Lives as well, but fun. It's always fun because we always have like a pretty good audience watching us and it's fun to, to chat with them too. Yeah, and the Facebook Lives can be difficult too because sometimes <laughs> you are at the mercy of the technology and the cell service and the whatever yeah. mobile hotspot you might be trying to use. And so I know there's been times where we have some connectivity issues. I legitimately had a problem yeah, on yeah. Sunday. There weren't there. The plan was not three Facebook lives for the record. Oh, really? No. But my the phone, it, it bricked out. We were down to I was down to a phone, one phone, one phone. Yeah. As a, you know, as a, <laughs> as a social media specialist, one yeah. phone is not going to get it done. Yeah, even as a reporter, you need yeah. like, so many options for that. But anyway, it's definitely different because with the parade coverage specifically or with Groundhog Day specifically, like these really particular events, specific events, you need to get this stuff out there fast. Mm -hmm. Because nobody, I mean, no one's really going to care about it five hours after it happened. So it was, that's the challenge when you're covering such a huge event for Staten Island too, is that you need to get everything as fast as possible. And it can be challenging sometimes because again, and at the same time, you, you want to be in the moment as well because you also want to mm -hmm. enjoy it. But yeah, I know it was, it was a good time, stressful to, to keep track of everything and, and try to do a good job because you're represented for people who also are not there watching. And you right. want to, you know what I mean? So you want to like be that like in between for them t to feel like they were still part of it. That's a good point too, because I feel like something I've noticed is that a good portion of our Facebook live audience is, is people who 
used to live on Staten Island, right? But who may have moved to New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Florida, whatever it is. But then yeah. they tune in for these big annual events because they're like, oh, I miss the parade on Forest Avenue. Let me check out what's going on there. Oh, Groundhog Day, yeah. the Travis Parade or whatever it is. But I love that, by the way. And what's funny is that I'll get in the comments still, where's Shane? They're <laughs> like, hey, like, what about where's like, where, where's Mark? Where's Tom? Yeah. And I'm like, all right, guys, like, you got your fourth string QB here. Right. Well, they're going to get, well, I'm going to get you a chum anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's move on to Sunday. So, before the parade even got underway, there were various events and protests highlighting the continued exclusion of these LGBTQ groups, which we have talked about. So, can you tell us a little bit about some of those pre parade events, what you saw, some of the people that were there, and, and just what was going on? Uh, prior to the parade starting, there was a press conference from the Pride Center and other groups as well. Goal, which is, I believe, the Gay Officers Action League, I want to say, plus some local politicians were there, volunteers with the Pride Center, allies uh, of LGBTQ plus folks, and then LGBTQ plus folks themselves. Mm -hmm. So at this at this press conference, they were calling for, well, they were calling for quite a few things, actually. First and foremost was the inclusion. They believe that this should be an inclusive parade. And within that, you have two arguments. So you have the moral argument of people saying this is a Irish parade, that this is like with like religion and stuff like that, that we don't like that's LGBTQ is not our, our thing. And other people saying, well, you can be gay and Irish. Correct. You know I mean? So yeah. like we should be able to like march. And then you have the other argument, which is the money that that was used for sanitation to clean up for the NYPD to protect the parade, which by the way, there are a lot of police officers there certainly there. were for yeah. security. Yeah, I got in there early and I saw all of them. It was crazy. But taxpayer money pays for that. So it's kind of like if you're identifying as LGBTQ+, you're paying taxes for a parade that you're apparently not allowed to march in. Right. So the organizers were really calling for that inclusion to just kind of say this is bogus. Like, why shouldn't we be part of this? That was that was the main, the main point. And then talking about how they deserve to be included too. So the press conference probably lasted maybe like a half hour, I would say. Mm -hmm. There's Carol Bullock, the executive director of the Pride Center, who, was, who spoke, of course. Mm -hmm. Casey Hankins, who is a volunteer with the Pride Center and also a community organizer. Jessica Scarcella Spanton, mm -hmm. uh, the senator for the North Shore, who also spoke. It is definitely an ally, as she'll tell you. And of the public advocate of the city, he came and spoke. It was a kind of a surprise for that. And a, and a few other people. So it was it was a, a mix of, of folks who spoke and all called for the same thing, inclusion. This should be, it's a community event, a community parade. The whole community should be part of it. So after that happened, after the press conference, which lasted, yeah, maybe like 20 minutes-ish, 30 mm -hmm. minutes-ish, was the Forest Avenue Mile, which is unofficially known as the Rainbow Run, which has been going on for about eight years, I want to say. Something in that yeah. range, yeah. Yeah, Staten Island Athletic Club is who puts on the run, and they are, they're fine with the Pride Center kind of co-opting it mm -hmm. for the, their cause of the Rainbow Run. So that goes off just after 11, and we had heard, or we had read, I should say, a day prior that Mayor Eric Adams was gonna show up. But we weren't sure because as you, as you know, it can be hard to to really confirm anything with the city government. Sometimes. That's just it, right? And and schedules change all the time. We thought that that's possible. He might show up for this rainbow run. It was on his public schedule. We weren't sure, and it turns out, yeah, he showed up. So the Forest Avenue mile steps off. Folks are running super fast by me. By the way, I, I need to get in shape myself. And he just joins the Pride Center, walking behind their banner, holding a Pride flag next to a, an Irish flag. 
walking down Forest Avenue, which I mean, it was like, it was kind of cool to see because there has not been a New York City mayor on Staten Island re related to something parade, St. Patty's parade yeah. in years. Now to be clear, he did not go to the St. Patrick's parade. He kind of like did his thing and then and left. And then left, yeah. yeah. I will also say that they were walking down Forest Avenue at like a very fast clip. And I'm walking. He was backwards. trying to keep it moving. Oh, like gosh, they were they were hoofing it. So I'm walking backwards. We got our photographer Jen Summerhamel walking with me. Kristen Dalton, a reporter, Tom Robleski, and a bunch of other media, and we're trying to keep up with them. And my God, what a pace! Anyway, and then it was kind of a waiting game to see. You know, we had heard rumblings that there could be a protest before the parade began unconfirmed no one wanted to say it on the record carol bullock is very clear to say you know she's not really condoning anything and sure enough before the parade began i start to see a group of of folks unfurling a very long pride flag mm -hmm. and and you know they all take a little bit and they start walking it up and then you see police we're, we're not very alarmed or anything like that but police kind of line up too, of like a ways away from them, I guess, okay. in case that they started to advance. And then they just stood there. It was a peaceful protest, which was definitely interesting to see. And you had folks on the parade route kind of waving some pride flags and, and applauding these folks. And then soon enough, I believe as a community officer, walked over and, and chatted with some of them. And I believe they said, you have 30 seconds or else, like you, we might have to like start arresting people. Right. And so the pride, there were, again, I, don't know, there were people who were volunteers, allies, the senator was part of the group that was holding uh, the flag. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't the Pride Center as far as I know. This was not right. condoned by the Pride Center. <laughs> so these folks stayed for another 30 seconds and then they were like, all right, like right, we'll, we'll walk back down. And then they just, just, as they left, they just chanted. So it was interesting, press conference, rainbow run, peaceful protests. Yeah, it's a lot. And with the mayor there in attendance for years, obviously, yeah. we've been having this conversation and this, but it seems like they've taken that activism to the next step this year. And it was interesting too, because with the mayor himself, Community Board One had sent him at least one letter, if not two, related to the parade about inclusivity. And the call is, people are calling for the permit to be pulled mm -hmm. and to never be issued to the parade committee and stuff like that. So we had our reporters, I believe, ask him a couple times about this parade and he never really gives a full answer. As is often the case. As is often the case. That's that's politics, baby. Yes, uh, definitely is. <laughs> and then he shows up for the Rainbow Run mm -hmm. with like little fanfare, I would say. Yeah, it's interesting. But from a from an optics perspective, it's not too surprising. It feels like it should have been a layup for him, really, from the beginning. And, and yes. this is something that I've talked to Robleski about off air and stuff. As a Democratic mayor, right, this feels like a layup for you to go out and yeah. fight the good fight and score some brownie points with your constituents or whatever. Yeah. It might be there. And so the least he could do is show up. And so at least he did that. Yeah, it was interesting because uh, one of our colleagues, I believe is Kristen Dalton, said that Yes, he was, because uh, I mean, I saw it too, because I was, again, trying not to be run over by the people holding the pride thing, pride banner. But Kristen had met, had noticed that he, yes, he was marching behind the banner. Yes, he was holding a flag. No, he was not chanting with them. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Optics. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's the little things. Yeah. All right. Well, Certainly very busy in the in the pre-parade stuff. So let's move on to the parade itself. So once the protest wrapped up, the parade did go on as scheduled. And as someone who has been really going to the parade for most of my life, it seemed like 
the turnout was actually pretty good yeah. compared to what I had seen. So it's weird. When I was younger, I felt like it was always packed and it was super busy. And then it started to kind of dwindle a little bit, even before COVID, obviously. COVID yeah. was an issue. But even in the year, the parade 2020 went on right before COVID really, really popped off in New York City yeah. for a lot of time. <laughs> and so I remember 2019, 2020, like, wow, there are not as many people here as there used to be. You could actually walk on the sidewalks of Forest Avenue. It used to be you were packed in there. And so I was like, oh, are people losing interest in this? Do people not care about it in the same way that they once did? But this year, I thought it was pretty busy again, and there was a lot of people out there. So I was wondering from, from your perspective, walking around covering the parade in real time, if you could just walk us through what you saw out there. Yeah, I'll be the first to admit there there were some crowds there. And I, so I got there way early, like mm-hmm. way early. I'm also like a, like neurotic like that. Like I need to get like right. 10 hours early. So I was able to see things fill up and I walked the parade route twice, I believe. Gotta get those steps. Gotta get those steps and yeah, like I need them. <laughs> but yeah, so in pockets, it was a little scarce, a little like skimpy, but then you get through other stretches on four staff and a lot of people packed in there. Mm-hmm. Um, much, much more or many more folks than last year, I believe, in my opinion. I was covering the I would year. agree, yeah. I was yeah. there both years as well. It felt yeah. that way. Yeah, and also you have the folks who are like, I'm not going to go to this parade because I want to support the LGBTQ plus community. You have people who say that they don't want to go to the parade because they'd rather party at home. I will say, no, a lot of people turned out and the weather, I mean, it was a beautiful day. It was. Day. It was perfect. Perfect weather. So yeah, walking around, people were very festive. There were folks with rainbow uh, gear still on or w- waving flags, like pride flags, and people were having a good time. Of course, the closer you got to certain bars, the more packed that area was. Well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, when you're in front of <laughs> Jody's or when you're in front oh, of Duffy's, yeah. or, you know, those- Hobra, Kettle Black. Oh my God. Well, the Hobra, Kettle Bra- Black, that's a, a younger, more South Shore yeah, crowd that makes their way time. over here. Yeah, well, they certainly were, but I mean, that line is so crazy. Sometimes I always joke that it looks like they're waiting for like King Ka at Six yeah. Flags to just get into Kettle Black. Yeah. But yeah, specifically around the bars and stuff, even Burrito Bar, which is cool because, you know, they have the little patio thing. Yeah. You see people kind of hanging off the patio with their drinks Burrito and bar. stuff. I yeah. know it's a, oh, that's was, a good one. It was really interesting though to see. So of course there are, I had done a story a couple weeks ago about businesses in the area mm-hmm. and how they think that this controversy between Parade Committee and LGBTQ community affects business. And I had spoken with a few, no more than a few actually, I I reached out to just over a dozen, maybe a dozen and a half businesses. Majority of them did not want to speak on the record. Not surprising. Uh, Yeah, because you know, they did say uh, a lot of our clientele side with the parade committee, we don't want to alienate anybody. Personally, we do think that Pride Center in, in these groups should be able to march. But we're not comfortable saying that on the record because we don't want, we know what the blowback is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there were people who just didn't return comment. But I did see that they did have like, we stand for inclusion signs on their windows, or they had maybe like pride flag, or they had some sort of like tell to say, oh, no, 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 like we do like, uh, support the Pride Center. No one went on the record to say we agree with the, the parade committee, but you got to understand why. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And, and and that's not to say that no one feels that way. Well, there are many people who feel that way. Yeah. Many people that feel that exactly way. that. But so you had mentioned that, and this is something that they had done in years past, that some of the boroughs LGBTQ plus groups would be going out during the parade as well and handing out pride flags yep. and pins or um, wearing 
whatever it might be different like rainbow clad apparel right and so is that something that you noticed as well i saw a couple ones one that really stood out to me but i was wondering if you if you might have caught the same person if we have the same person in mind we might can you uh yeah so i saw someone who was wearing basically a pope outfit but all green about yeah. an all green pope outfit but then with a rainbow beard hanging down yeah and like a rainbow sash as well so i really like that one the um the the saint pride i suppose because there was there's a photo i think it must be the same photo that we're thinking of that we have in our system in our archives and and there's a person that's next to that pope looking figure oh holding a sign that says kiss me i'm banned i had this i wouldn't call it a debate a conversation with some of our colleagues because some of them were like these people are really making jokes at the expense of lgbtq plus but i'm looking at the photo and i'm like no they're they're, they're embracing it embracing it yeah yeah that's interesting and i'd never even seen that photo i actually yeah. just saw this person on sunday walking down the forest avenue and i was like that's a good that's yeah good i'll show you that photo it's 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 a good photo, too. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with you here. I think that that is someone who is not mocking them, who is leaning into it and supporting them. So one last thing before we go, with you doing the Facebook Lives for us all the time, and especially with things like this during the parade, I was sure. wondering what it was like, because, you know, we see those comments come in in real time, and, yeah. and sometimes the comments are, are nice, and sometimes the comments are not so nice. And so given the controversial nature of this story and as we've said not everyone feels the same way about it as everyone else was it difficult for you to and i haven't gone through all the comments i mean i think i saw just just on one of the the facebook lives i think there was almost 600 comments so is it hard for you to stay on track when you're seeing some of these things coming in which may be in some cases hateful or discriminatory or whatever it is how do you pick and choose which comments to respond to which ones to ignore and and, and what is that like for you great question it's definitely tough it's definitely hard mm -hmm. because you want to have engagement with the folks that are watching and you're rooting out who's a troll and who's being genuine it's hard because you want to you want to provide these answers but not feed into it and not give them more things because they're going to pick apart your words and that's that's across the board that's not just facebook that's also right. instagram comments no matter what you do people are going to read into what you're saying so i remember there was a commenter on one of the Facebook lives that kept saying, kept commenting, is this the, well, first of all, they're like, what is a parade called? So it's the St. Patrick's parade. Is this the St. Patrick's parade or the pride parade? And just repeated that last comment. Is this the St. Patrick's Day parade or yeah. the pride? He's parade? just trying to bait, you know? Yeah. A lot of people, yeah. a lot of people bait. And so I try to keep things light. I'm trying to think in terms of, I can't really say certain things because I'm representing the newspaper. I'm representing Correct. our company. Yeah. Believe me, the things that go through my mind on the responses that I could make. Well, and that's what I'm saying, yeah, because yeah, it's difficult being the reporter in this yeah. situation. And essentially, especially because to this person who's trying to stir things up and yeah. beat you to say things and do whatever, like, dude, I'm just trying to do my job. Like, my job. If you were, if I'm not showing up to your place of work and like throwing questions at you in real time. You obviously might want to respond in a certain way, but when you're working and representing and then you, you can't necessarily do that. And it's also like, why do you have to make my life harder? That's than just it. To be? Like, also, who are you proving anything to? What are you getting out yeah. of this? I mean, so, you're so brave for making these dumb comments. And right. So meanwhile, I'm just trying to keep things light. Mm -hmm. Tell me where you're from. Uh, what you're doing if you if you miss the parade if you like when was the last time you're here right uh, just keeping things light because it's like let's let's do that and if it's a, if we're 
I, I think I said during the Facebook Live for the press conference, you know, if you have questions, put them in the comments. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll answer things. Oh, like if they're real questions. If they're real questions. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lauren. It's sure. always a pleasure. And I really appreciate all the, the hard work you do on the live coverage and the fact that I don't have to do that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Staten Island Advances from the scene. If you like what you've heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit SILive.com for the latest on all these stories and more. Thank you for supporting local journalism.